Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. Welcome to episode number three of our Love, Loss, and What I Wore week, celebrating the incredible four women that I had the utmost ultimate privilege of sharing the stage with in Mariposa Arts Theatre production of Love, Loss, and What I Wore. This episode celebrates the lovely Natasha Poquin. Natasha and I got to share the stage in Love, Loss, and What I Wore, and just recently got to share the stage again together in a lovely one-act play called The Cowgirl of Suburbia with Theatre by the Bay. We also get to work together in our other jobs, our side hustles, in healthcare. (laughs) She is an x-ray tech or medical radiation technologist, and we get to work together every so often in the operating room. And let me tell you, the first time that we got to work together when we were on call in the operating room was the most exciting day. I pretty much tackled her as best I could, sterilely, and when we were covered in lead and lots of, you know, PPE and stuff like that. (laughs) She has an incredible story. She's a wonderfully talented musical theater performer, singer, and uh, I really hope you enjoy hearing what she has to say, because what she has to say is simply marvelous, just like her. Please enjoy the lovely, the beautifully talented Natasha Paquin. how many actors I've reached out to saying, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And they're like, ah, but I've only done a small thing. I'm not really. I'm like, hello. I've said two lines in a Hallmark movie and been on in one play in my life. Who am I to have a show about acting? But we all have imposter syndrome. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I mean, yeah. that's how you learn and get inspired is by talking to people and learning about their life story and that kind of thing, right? So. Yeah. So true. So true. Tell me your life story. How did you get into acting? So it actually happened because of my mom. She saw an advertisement in the newspaper. You know, those old school things used to get delivered to your door and open up and the black and white printing on there. Yeah, and that. And there was a big picture advertisement for auditions for the musical Oliver. And my mom's like, you should go out for it. I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I was the type of kid who was very outgoing from the beginning. My mom would send me outside to brush my hair because I had really long hair and it would get everywhere in the house. And I'd be there with my hairbrush singing in the backyard, looking into the glass of the door to use as a mirror. And that's just the kind of kid I was. But I guess she saw that it really suited me. So I auditioned and uh, I was cast as a member of the ensemble. And once I started working, I was like, oh. What is this magical thing? This is amazing. I need more of this drug. It's adrenaline rush. And that was it from there. I took a bit of a break through college because obviously super focused and time consuming. And then I moved to Aurelia from Sudbury. And uh, once I got settled, got my feet, I was like, you know what? I really miss it. So I started looking into production groups in the area and uh, was doing a show, I think, my second or third year living here. And I've been doing usually one or two every year since. When you did Oliver, how old were you? I started acting like in 2004. So Oliver was my first show. I would have been 
13, 14. And did you do anything like throughout high school? Yeah. So I did two productions in high school, um, Oliver and Beauty and the Beast. Nice. We were a French Catholic high school, so there wasn't really plays in the group yeah. that the high school would produce. So I got my kicks through community theater. And my English teacher in high school was so supportive. She would tie it to the curriculum in some odd way and bring my English classes to see my productions. So that was always really amazing and nerve-wracking all at once. I bet. In Beauty and the Beast, we would wear these little... So I was one of the enchanted napkins. Nice. So we had awesome. Borrowed, yeah. We'd board the costumes from Toronto. So I had the little teeny tiny skirt that ended in a... In a point and of course we have to do the can can so i was like here i am flashing my underwear to my entire high school yay yeah it was a good time for art (laughs) do anything for the applause darling anything anything did you ever think about going into theater not really for the simple reason that i'm a very pragmatic practical person Mm -hmm. and i think i knew financially it was extremely difficult to do a career. Mm -hmm. And my thought at the time was that I was going to stay in Sudbury, develop a life there. And there isn't a lot of ways to make a living in the arts in Sudbury. It's growing, it's becoming better. But obviously, to make a financially successful career, you need to move to Toronto or be involved in that kind of thing, right, which was a bit challenging. And I mean, I had other paths that I wanted to pursue as well, other passions. So I thought, The fact that I could continue doing community theater as an outlet was an amazing thing because it didn't become a job, right? You kept that love for it. You did it on your terms when you wanted to. You didn't feel stressed about it. Like you had to do this because you were being paid to. You did it out of the love of it, which was really appealing at the same time. I think there's definitely something. It's funny. I was talking to Claudine about the exact same thing, right? Like the example I gave her, and I'm going to repeat myself, is I really like baking, I do it for the love of baking and the eating of the baking. But like, if I put a monetary value on that, I'm sure it would become just not as joyful to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, For sure. So what did you take in college? Medical radiation technology. Nice. Yeah. So another word for x-ray tech program. I already knew this, but the audience didn't know this. Because we get to work (laughs) together at the hospital. (laughs) I've been doing it for, it will be 12 years in October, actually. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank wow. you. I wanted to do something to help people, yeah. right? So it was a toss-up between being a teacher or being an x-ray tech. Hmm. When I was 13, 14, I got diagnosed with Turner syndrome. And so I had to have a lot of, you know, bone age x-rays, MRIs, ultrasound to help get the diagnosis and to decide which treatment path I was going to take. So... I was exposed to the world of diagnostic imaging in that aspect. And I remember going for a bone age x-ray and the technologist at the time bringing me behind the control panel and showing me my x-ray and just thinking, this is the coolest career ever. You get to have a positive impact on people, on patients, and be a part of their healthcare journey and their healing journey, while also seeing an interesting side of technology and pathology. And you can branch out and do so many things. That's what really attracted me to it. And um, it was a program that was offered in Sudbury. So again, the hope was to stay at home. And so it was an obvious choice for me. I had learned all anatomy, physiology, and French because I went to French high school, primary school. So I decided to continue my career path in French. And I went to Collège Boreal in Sudbury. It was a three-year program. 
And for the last year, you do a year-long full-time placement. So you go work in a hospital for a full year and you learn the clinical side of things. Then you have to write a national exam, $1,000 national exam. And if you pass it, then you get to add MRT at the end of your name, which makes you feel real fancy. Real so fancy. totally worth it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then what brought you, what brought you here? What brought you to Aurelia? A job. Mm. Fair. Bottom line, a job. Me too. <laughs> I tried for about seven months to get a job up in Sudbury and it didn't happen. I had an interview at Georgian Radiology in Barrie and they said, I can see you just need a decent job opportunity. Mm-hmm. I only have casual job to offer you, which obviously you can't support yourself on that. So let me pass your resume around Simcoe. Sure enough, he did. And a couple of weeks later, I had an interview over the phone at OSMH. The job was supposed to last three months. Contract got extended three times, and here I am almost 12 years later. 12 years later. Nice. I know. I love it. And so talk to me about your finding of community theater here, but then also I'm curious to know, is there anything that you found in your job as an x-ray tech medical radiation technologist that you have pulled into your theater career, theater life? Mm Mm-hmm. So I discovered theater here by looking up community theaters on the internet. No more newspapers. Internet No now. more newspapers. Yes. Technology! <laughs> so I did that. I auditioned for The Full Monty in Barrie. <laughs> nice. Great first show. Love it. Yep. And then got to know people really well doing that show. So yeah, I just I started with The Full Monty in the group called Kempenfeld Community Players down in Barrie and did a few shows with them and then some of the people you get familiar with, the directors, the music directors, they'll do shows elsewhere. Even your fellow actors, too. They'll go and do shows at different troops. So if a show that really interests you comes up, then you try it at a different troupe and so on and so forth. So I've done theater here in the Simcoe County in Cookstown, Barrie, and Aurelia so far. And I'm loving it. Each group is amazing to work with and offers different settings, different styles, different um, appeals in terms of production teams. So it's nice. You get to meet a whole group of people. But the funny thing, too, is that the same group of people kind of follow you through, too. So the community theater group in Simcoe is pretty tight knit. So you get to know everybody really well. And in terms of X-ray, what I learned from it to bring in is Mm -hmm. pretty much how to be calm and cool under pressure. Interesting. You know, working in the medical field, you deal with a lot of very serious things, a lot of tense situations at times, a lot of um, scary things. And you have to learn how to keep a straight face. You have to learn how to be very professional and take your emotions out of the situation to really focus on what needs to happen. So you get to bring that adaptability into theater as well. Because as much as theater is scripted and planned out, things happen. Yeah. Right. So you have to be on the ball and able to change things on a dime and adapt what you're doing to fit the goal of the show. Mm -hmm. And then like just learning how to communicate with different people too, and learning how to work with different personalities. Cause obviously you service everybody doing Mm x-rays from the little tiny babies to the screaming toddlers, to the belligerent teenagers, to the little (laughs) old ladies who can't hear. So you get to learn to work with everybody and how to communicate and relate with them which is something you can use in your friend life, in your career life, and in your hobby life, too. I just clicked into something you said there, and this has been a vein that's kind of traveled throughout most of the conversations I've had with people about the idea, and it's unique to, I think, people in healthcare, 
there's a bit mm-hmm. of, I think, people in, in education as well, too. What you were saying about ch- kind of checking your emotions, because you, you deal with a lot of stressful situations, and you kind of need to be a bit emotionally guarded to kind of mm-hmm. be in the zone. Do you find that, has that helped you? I know you said it has been helpful to you in your career um, in theater, but I know for me, it's been a bit of a hindrance because it ha- I have a tough time kind of tapping into the true emotions I need to get to sometimes in acting because of being taught exactly that. How mm-hmm. do you feel about that? And how have you kind of superseded that kind of dig in? Because you, you've gotten pretty deep into some gritty roles and obviously have mm-hmm. been able to get through that emotional guarding that you have to have in your professional career. 100%. And that's a great question. I think it's a matter of looking at theater and the roles that you get as therapeutic. Because mm. you can do things on stage that you can't do in a hospital setting. Yeah. Right? I went from playing a princess, Princess Fiona, to playing the villain in Town, Complete 180. Mm-hmm. Right? So the ability to kind of scream at people and have no consequences was a little bit therapeutic. <laughs> so- Yep. Another show I did, I I would bawl during one of my songs because it's a song about a woman and how her husband is becoming an alcoholic and that kind of thing, right? So the emotions you can't necessarily show at work, I I don't know how I've learned to let it go, but I just have through my roles. I tap into situations like if I'm having arguments with friends or family or if situations at work are stressing me out or you know, I use that emotion I've held back and I think about it before going into a scene and I let that emotion finally take over and let it out Mm. on the stage. Pretend an audience isn't there while letting them in at the same time and just letting it soothe away the emotion that you have. That is such a great point. And it's funny, I was thinking about some of the people from my medical life who saw the play that you and I were in. And I remember Mm -hmm. the next day, one of them texted me being like, wow, you swore a lot in that play. And I sent it to I sent it to my husband. He's like, well, you swear a lot at baseline. I'm like, yeah, but my medical life, I don't do that, right? So yeah, I think that's such a good point, being kind of free and free mm-hmm. to just let those emotions go. Such a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about community theater. You've been involved in community theater for years. What is it mm-hmm. that brings you back? What do you love about it? The adrenaline rush, right? The bonds that you form with castmates and production teams and the audience. You work together with a group of people for community theater, sometimes three, four months to put this story together. And you all have such a pivotal role. Without this person, this wouldn't happen and that wouldn't happen. So it's so it's so critical. It's such a, a good exercise in terms of teamwork in terms of developing your skills too, right? I remember a show I did in Cookstown where I had to wear a pair of tap shoes for the first time and tap in a show. Never taken a tap dancing in my life. So it takes you completely out of your comfort zone, but then you do it and you feel like a freaking rock star. (laughs) Yes. And having the audience cheer and seeing them connect with you when you're in a quiet moment and you can literally hear a pin drop and you know you've got them in the palm of your hand that's a sense of power too. And that's a boost to your self-esteem that's hard to get anywhere else. It's hard to kind of explain until you're on stage, but it's just an experience unlike anything. I think the support that the audience gives you 
And Mm -hmm. I mean, I've only experienced community theater. I've never experienced professional theater. But the support that people who come out to watch community theater give to the actors on the stage, like you're saying, it's just you can't reproduce it unless you're on the stage. You just you feel it. You feel it coming from the audience because they're all members of your community. 100%. And you're telling the story for them. When they when they come into a show, they're basically signing a contract with you, right? They're giving you their time. They're giving you their attention, their time, and they have certain expectations. So it's a challenge as an actor because you want to meet those expectations, go above and beyond, right? And the support you even get from your castmates is incredible. I remember when I was doing Beauty and the Beast, we had a stage manager who was a beautiful, sold uh, old woman named uh, Jean. And she knew that I was going through my discovery of Turner syndrome at the time. So she had gotten me a little charm to put on my charm bracelet. That was a rose. And every time uh, Taylor's oldest time would play, she would put her arms around me. We just sway together. And that's a memory I'll never forget. Right. And there are so many memories like that that are created with every production you do. That it's hard not to get addicted to that outlet. Now, you have done a ton of musical theater. Mm hmm. And you're an incredible singer. Holy crow. (laughs) Oh, my God. The play that you and I were in together, not musical theater. Mm -mm. Very different. Very intimate. Mm -hmm. What are the differences you've noticed between theater and musical theater? Or are there any? There are definitely differences. Besides the music and not music. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to me, maybe it's because I come from such a background of musical theater, but I found musical theater more challenging Mm. because you have to do the same emotional character background work as you would in a straight play. But you also have to know the choreography and you have to know your songs and your harmony. So there's a lot more to learn, I feel, in that aspect. Um, What I love about musical theater is that you sing when words are not enough. Oh, that's so beautiful. You dance when you can't get the words out. Wow. So Mm -hmm. it's just a whole nother level of expression. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of what I love about it. It challenges you in a way too. Yeah. Right? And it's it's interesting because just the way you can shape dialogue, you can shape music too. You can shape your movement. You can shape your dance. So it's a whole other form of expression to add on to the layers that you already have on top of the dialogue. What emotional work do you do to uh, for your characters? It depends on the role, to be honest, right? I've had a lot of roles that were very sassy and, you know, get out of here, like Princess Fiona. And yet I've, had a, I've played a villain, which is super fun because that's not me by nature at all. <laughs> and then I've also played a role of someone who's, you know, very shy and someone who is emotionally involved in the other character's life and wants to see them really succeed and wants to see their life easier because she's dealing with an alcoholic husband at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And you use inspiration from people in your life that, you know, are going through the same thing. Mm. And it helps you to relate to them in a way, too. So it helps you create bonds with those people. Interesting. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Do you have any funny on stage sets or on set or on stage wherever? Funny stories. Too many. Too many. Too many. Too many. Tell, tell, My tell, favorite share. one, though, has to be from Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Okay. So we're doing our big number, Be Our Guest. 
And Lumiere, in the middle of his number, um, his pant button pops off. And his pants fall down. And he's wearing, like, not boxers, but white, tidy-whitey briefs. Oh, my God. And he can't go off stage. It's his number. Yeah. So he ends up kicking one leg off so he can do the choreography. And he's doing Be Our Guest in his tidy whities And we're all backstage <laughs> losing our minds, trying not to laugh because we're mic'd. And then we got to go out on stage and dance with him as if everything's okay. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my God. And the funny thing is we actually adapted it into our dialogue. Oh, you guys are amazing. There was a point in Be Our Guest where you have the Feather Duster and Lumiere who are like, yes, no, yes, no. And he goes, is it because I'm not wearing pants? <laughs> and so you're on stage and you're like, ah! I'm trying not to burst out laughing. And luckily that night we were actually recording. So it's immortalized forever on DVD. And I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Most oh amazing thing God. ever. That's so mm-hmm. good. Do you have any advice for anyone who is interested in acting or who has been a bit nervous about joining things like community theater? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think you just have to dip your toe in a little bit first. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, try, you know, volunteering as front of house mm. for a show to see if what they do on stage and see if it's something you could see yourself doing. Join an improv group, you know, just um, trying little things, dipping your toe in a little bit at a time to really see if it's for you. And then if you really like it and you want to like pursue it as a career, say set yourself up by success. Mm. So take the classes, take the workshops, um, you know, make yourself an asset and have a financial plan because Mm. a lot of times that's, a part of the worry, but by setting yourself up financially to succeed, then that's great. And if you're too worried about that, then doing it as a hobby like I do is a great option too. Mm-hmm. You get you get the best of both worlds in a way. Yeah. Having a good support system is really important. Yeah. You know, friends that support you, friends that support you, an acting agent, anybody to mm-hmm. build you up is so good for your self-esteem. And will help you realize that, you know, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I am on the right path. Getting inspiration is super important, too. Going to watch the musicals, going to see improv shows, going to see the plays, watching movies, TV, anything to develop that character database in your head. Oh, I'm playing I'm playing an old lady. Let's watch some Golden Girls. Maybe we'll get some inspiration from there. You know, just something like that's always cool, too. Mm-hmm. And then, like, networking and getting connections. Mm. There are a ton of Facebook groups for community theaters in the area. And I'm sure about a lot of hobbies where you can see, connect with like-minded people, ask them questions. There are groups that tell you about audition opportunities or acting gig opportunities, stuff like that. So subscribing to those groups, then you can kind of pick and choose what opportunities you feel like you're suited for and dip your toe in that way too. If you want just a smaller role, that's something you can also request, mm-hmm. right? If you audition for community theater show, you can always express that you're only interested in being part of the ensemble and get a little bit of, of a taste of it that way too. And if it's a story you love, then that's even better because it's something you're passionate about and it'll leave you a good experience too. And I think ultimately you just have to be brave. You'll never know if you don't try. You don't want to live with any regrets. 
when it comes down to it, when you're going to pass away, you don't think about all the money you had or, you know, how much money you made at your career. You think about the moments and the memories you made and the opportunities you've had. And I know for me, theater is a big part of that because I have met so many people. I've made so many friendships and I've grown so many skills because of my connections through theaters and my experience through that. You mentioned your mom all the way at the beginning as being kind of pivotal in, in this. How would your parents describe what you do for a living? Would they include your theater, do you think? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> no. Honestly, because they're such different worlds. Yes. Right? Yeah. So my mom, if I ask her, she's like, you do x-rays. Yeah. And my dad, who thinks he's funny, he goes, hmm, pretty bony. <laughs> Good one. Classic dad joke. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he's hilarious. I yeah. try not to encourage it. I just say straight-faced. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dad. Thanks for that feedback. <laughs> Is there anything you're looking forward to coming up this year? Ah, just getting back on stage. Yeah. Like live performances. Oh, so many theaters are starting to open up. We're seeing the um, loosening up of COVID restrictions and uh, capacity limits and stuff like that. So we have a chance to really kind of delve into it and get back to that normalcy where you're rehearsing in person yes. with your castmates oh instead of over Zoom. What is that like? <laughs> we wouldn't know, would we? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time we put on a whole show and only met twice in person? Good times. <laughs> God. Very interesting experience. So yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to go into a theater and sit and watch shows and to be able to be on stage and connect with an audience face-to-face -face again, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Here, here. Do you have any final words? Of, this has been filled with words of wisdom. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice or anything like that? Just spread love. Oh. You know, I, th I think in this day and age, there's so much judgment going on and controversy and neighbors versus neighbors because you can't have the same opinion. So just get out of that. You know, that's the magic of theater is you get to sit there for two hours, three hours, forget about your problems, forget about the fact that we do have different political opinions or religions or cultures or any of that mm -hmm. and just leave our troubles for a bit. So spread love, be considerate of everybody and everyone and be nice, be kind. And support community theater. 100%. 100%. They need you now more than ever. Right. They've gone two years struggling to find a profit and struggling through COVID. So now more than ever, go out, enjoy it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Natasha, for being my guest on this episode. We've got one final lovely celebratory episode for Love Lost and What I Wore Week coming up. I hope you'll tune in. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged.
Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!